Hello and welcome to episode 116 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I am joined once again by Susanna Ray, business coach for introverts and founder of the Introvert Way Roadmap. Welcome back to the show, Susanna. Thank you. Uh, In the last episode, listeners, Susanna and I talked about being an introvert in business, tips on balancing your energy and finding what works for you. So pop that one on the playlist next if you missed it. But today we're talking all about Susanna and her business journey so far. So Susanna, let's start at the beginning. Um, I know that you've been online for a significant amount of time in the small business world. So what was it that inspired you to start your business? My story started actually with international moves around the world. So my career as such was in a traditional bricks and mortar manufacturing site and then an opportunity came about with my partner to move abroad to France was initially and then we moved to Switzerland and America and France and back to the UK and it was during this time because we first moved abroad in 2002 and this was at a point when the internet was just beginning to get going. When we lived in France, it was still the old dial-up where you know you get all the horrendous noise, you were on your phone line if you were online at the same time, which as an introvert was great. If I was online, no one could call me. Fabulous, <laughs> I love that. But what happened is I'd also at that point taken the opportunity to study and do an MBA where I focused on entrepreneurialism. And when I moved from France to Switzerland, it was suddenly, oh, this is amazing. We actually had dun, 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 one megabyte download speed. For My the goodness. <laughs> which actually back at that point was groundbreaking from the old connections. And for the final dissertation for my MBA, because my background is I've been to art school previous to that. I was a textile designer. I did design marketing, project management, stage design, theater design. I've done all sorts of design, but I've always been interested in the business strategy, which is why I did the MBA. And for my final dissertation, I actually looked at the role of expatriate female entrepreneurs and how strategic networking benefits their business. And this was back in, I'd say it was 2005. And it was at that point I was living in Basel and LinkedIn was just getting going and things were really the whole sort of networking online was beginning to grow. And I was working with a lot of female business owners as well, because I was running my, this is kind of how I started running my own business because I'd stepped out of the corporate life moving abroad. And then I'd be talking to women at these events and going, no, you need to do this. And I've always picked up the technology on my own fast. I've got a natural interest in it. And the way the social media was beginning to kick off and I could see the marketing side of it as well. But you need to integrate it with your design, your branding, as you'll know, Tammy, very much. It needs to be a cohesive whole. And when I was talking to all these women as case studies of how networking became so important, for me, working online became a wonderful natural extension to that. 
and also suited my introverted nature far better because I love networking online, not so keen walking into a big room full of people and for me that always feels like I'm going in and breaking up conversations and that just doesn't suit my personality. I'm you know, I don't mind if people come to me. I'm not shy. People can come up. I will talk till the cows come home, apparently, according to my daughters. And say, like, you're so chatty and friendly. And I don't have an issue, but I'm not likely to be the one to make that first conversation. So it was all these elements of moving abroad and then moving abroad again. I'd have three to four years in each of these locations which basically meant setting up a local business. I did set up a couple of local businesses when I was living in the States. States is amazing, actually, for entrepreneurs. It's such a go-getting culture that they say, you know, anyone can do it and there's great incentives. And when I was there, I was also working as a consultant for a tech startup who were actually being able to move things over the internet in real time. And we tested this in cat humane shelters. So we had cat toys that people could play with and push the button on the screen and things would happen. And at that point was just, I was running a community, which was online. This was before Facebook had groups. So Facebook was running and you'd have your sort of Facebook page but you couldn't gather your people in quite the same way on Facebook. And working with this sort of high tech space and big marketing agencies like Ogilvy, I sort of realized that we had this new way of connecting and a new way of making your business grow and your reach as well being international because I was putting out press releases and people were talking about this company from Thailand and Vietnam we were on Sky Australia and I mean it was crazy sort of at the point but it showed to me the world had really truly opened up and that even though we were five people sat in a basement and I was in Idaho at the time one of the lesser known states of the US it was the world is your oyster if you go online. And as I then moved again, I moved more into actually coaching expats to start up their own business. Because again, this was reflecting myself and people would be going, yeah, I'd like to do something, but we're going to be moving in another two years. And for me, if you set up your business online, that is your business set up for life. It doesn't matter where you are, your location independent. And it was in this time where I'm talking about, it was around 2012, early 2000s to 2012, the term digital nomads was being thrown about a lot more because people were like, oh, I can go and live in Bali for six months and work from my laptop because suddenly Bali had good connection and they realised that not just for normal tourists, there were sort of business tourists, if you like, who would be like, well, if I want to write my book, why not go and write my book while sat on a beach in Bali because the cost... Why of... not indeed? <laughs> yeah, because the cost of living weekly is so much less than if you were living in Switzerland, for instance. Why not? So... It was this sort of moving, moving, moving and the rise in line with the rise of the technology with the internet getting stronger that culminated me working with people setting up their businesses online. Wow, amazing. I don't think that I have spoken to anyone so far who was an online business quite as far back in the 
dial-up stages because my goodness I remember dial-up internet what a delight that was and it I mean looking back obviously you kind of look back and it's like oh what a joke it was all that noise you couldn't be on the phone at the same time like we used to have multiple landlines so that we could be on the internet and on the phone at the same time whereas nowadays it's like no one has a landline and no one uses phones (laughs) (laughs) you never predicted it could you I mean it's so baffling I remember because when talking to my daughters now and because my eldest is 17 so looking going to university and I was like yeah when I was at university we didn't have mobile phones we didn't have computers I was handwriting everything I remember going into my first job and being the first one in the company to get a hotmail email accounts you know because it was new I had the only internet connection in the business to begin with because I was a designer and I was like I say I've always had this sort of love of tech if you'd like to say I've got that bit from my father and it was more the opportunities and opening and even as a kid I lived in like Australia and the US as well so I'd always traveled a lot and suddenly going I can reconnect and then I think it was friends reunited I'm probably taking everyone back in time here to like you know see who you at school with it was like the website and you'd suddenly reconnect to people from the 80s and things and yeah it it's just amazing the whole world has opened up and it's so different today you know we're recording this 2021 boy has the world changed in the last 20 years is all I can say yeah it's it's just incredible and I love that you were such an early adopter I I've got so many different questions that I need to pick one and ask. So how long after doing your MBA did you start setting up your first online business? And is that a business that still runs today? Is it something that you wrapped up back whenever? I'd love to, I'd love to know. So I kind of started my first business, which was, it was part of the final part of doing the MBA as well, because it was when I was reaching out and doing my dissertation that a lot of those people saying, well, can you help me design your website? So my first business, it was helping them design their websites. And again, because of where I was situated, these were, you know, websites in two or three languages as well, and finding plugins and how to develop and do all that type of thing. And it was when I was talking to people, so I came very much initially with the design angle, because I'm a qualified designer graphic design, textile design, done both of them. And I love the design aspect. But what I realized whenever I spoke to someone, I very much dug very fast into the strategy. Like, why are you wanting to do this? Where are you going there? And what are you going to do? So the strategy and marketing for me was always integral. So that was really the start of me being my business. But along the years, its name has changed, the focus has changed. But the essence, actually the undercurrent has always been been very much around design, strategy and implementation. And that is still what I do today, but it's on a different focus and a different niche. So as I moved countries, it I did need to, at that point, I didn't have it as an international company. So I did have to register new so when we lived in the states it was a new business and when we moved to France and then when it came to the UK because of course I hadn't even thought about that side of things like the legal and oh and then multiple bank accounts as well 
<laughs> it's like it blows you ahead that you don't sort of realize because it takes and doing tax returns you have to have left a country for a good two years before you can sort of clear off your tax returns so there's a lot of accountancy thing you know the boring stuff of business we don't normally talk about but <laughs> yeah it takes a while so there were starting up entities and also at that point I was moving currencies the whole time everywhere I lived different currency so yeah I'm very much which is why when I came back to the UK which was 2015 and so that's been a good six years now that is when I the iteration of my business as it is now was formed so that was like okay this is where I want to go and that's where my focus in helping introverted business owners again that was a culmination of life experiences and realizing who I was coming across who I was working with the people I particularly liked working with as well in what they wanted to do because I've always having I'm an artist myself I've got a real affinity for creatives and a lot of creatives are introverts as well because we love our quiet time to just create we do as we talked about in depth in the last episode that's really interesting so the business that you have now in its current form it just makes me think of video games it's like this isn't even my final form the business that you have now when did that kind of establish and was that a natural progression from what you were doing before and I guess the other question sorry just throwing all of them at you when did it start was it a natural progression And why did you make the decision to make it a new entity as opposed to a redirection of what you were doing before? So for me, the, as say, the watershed moment was coming back to the UK because I'd cleared out and closed down because of accountancy, business reasons, etc. in the other places. So I was like, no, I'm going to operate in, well, to begin with, I didn't just operate in pound sterling. I did also. So have US dollars because you can have international accounts, but I've actually reverted back to selling purely in pounds now. So in 2015, it was it was still an iteration of the business before is I was coaching on the whole. It was expat women who had moved around the world like myself. And you tend to find like minds marry like minds so maybe their partner was rising in the corporate world and being moved but they were equally intelligent equally with career ambition and huge talents with them so you know we'd be sat having coffee because it was also of the age our kids were at primary school so you deposit them at the school and then I'd be talking to them and without even realizing it I was coaching them basically at this point in terms of did you know Oh, you could set up your business and do this. So one person who had an absolute love for travel and they moved around a lot. And, she said, and I said, you know, what would you love to be? She said, well, I used to be a travel agent. I'd love to do that. And I'd be like, you can totally do that online. And I said, how do I do that? And I was naturally getting these questions. So I was helping people. Like, how do you set up a website? What tools do you need? How do you set up the business bit? Like I've mentioned this. How do you take payments? How do you do all these things that when people are starting out? So that niche was very much aimed at the expats because that was my natural network as well. They were the people I was just 
coming into contact with and I was very much seen as the old hand as well because it was my fourth international move and every time you move internationally it's like a huge rug is pulled out from underneath you you've got no friends no family nowhere so you've got to go okay big girl pants on I'm going to get out that door and meet people so I learned skills to how to network as an introvert as a result of moving lots as well And then this, when I came back to the UK, I actually went through a period of, I didn't get as far as clinically depressed, but I was definitely in a very dark period because I was missing a lifestyle we'd had. And when I came back to the UK, it was a very weird time in the UK to come back to because this was pre the Brexit vote. I'd lived a life moving around different European countries, enjoying the open door opportunities and came back to a country where people seem to be very anti these amazing international connections that had been my life, basically. I love the fact that I know people on 40 different countries in the world, that my network is huge and international and I could go and live. Yes, there were some visa issues in some places, but in France, it was very easy. You could just go, you could live and there's a lot of flow. And then also as well, I decided not to stay focused in the expats because I realised that was also making me sad and missing something that I'd had and I wasn't so connected. And naturally, my natural connections diminish as well because you're not so based in that world. So it was at that point that I sat down and reevaluated and I knew I love coaching. I'm going back a bit to the last podcast, but I am an INFJ in the Myers-Briggs personality. We are the natural coaches of the personality world. We listen, we empathize, we see patterns and plans. And I knew that coaching was really what lit me up inside because one of my biggest joys is setting off sparklers in my clients' minds of the possibilities for them in their business. And for me, coaching is the conduit for that. So I sat down and went, well, who do I want to coach? I know it's going to be about online business because I've lived this life for the last 20 years. I've got the design, I've got the business, I've got the marketing, and I'm a very unusual intersection of those three. You don't often find people who do all these things. And this, you know, throwing myself back in time went, even at A-levels, that's the 18-year-old exams for those not in the UK, I actually studied psychology, maths and art. Oh, wow. You've got a a real mix going on there. It's brilliant. And yeah, so it was when everything sort of pulled together, I was like, you know what? I want to work. And because I did psychology early on, I first read my books on psychology when I was 14. In fact, Dr. Max Lucia did colour psychology and how that affects your emotions. He was a Swiss psychologist. And so I was like, I still have this love for understanding the human brain, why we do things. I knew I was introverted from an early age because even at school, I would come home, I'd crash after school because I'm all out there. I give my all when I'm connected. I am fully connected, but it means I need that time out. And I'd be falling asleep before dinner quite regularly. And I was like, I understand what this is and I'd done various when I first came back to the UK as well because I went through a period of self-doubt 
imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Can I do this? Because, you know, we, we all do this. I'm sure <laughs> listeners are going, yeah. yeah. We all go through this. So I actually did some like online business training with some of the big names at the time. And I just got a bit disillusioned by what was happening. Online, there was, they were run by very extroverted coaches and they were pushing ways of growing your business online that would burn out someone who's introverted within a week. And I met fellow introverts within those communities who basically had felt like a black cloud had descended on them. Like they were so, they fell for all the marketing up front. They're going, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to earn six figures in 12 months and I'm going to get that. I'm sure you're going, yeah, I've heard all that. And, but because the marketing was so slick and they'd get involved and then suddenly you'd be in these communities and to be coached, suddenly you were flung to get your question answered onto a hot seat. Nothing more for an introvert is the term hot seat where you get told you've got 10 minutes say your issue solve the issue and it's like this very fast moving and I just saw the effect on these amazing women who are introverted and what it was doing to their confidence and I was like no you can do this you just can't do it that way and I've managed to always have a filter in me so I could go no that's not for me because I've had this earlier self-awareness about what works and what doesn't and so this is what led me to go towards initially I had it very much introverted woman now I'm more just introverted coaches and consultants male or female but I've narrowed down to begin with I was also working with product-based businesses and now I realized actually where my key superpower is because I'm this combination that when I talk to people and they're discussing about their expertise their knowledge I can see how they can bring that to their people visually very fast and I create frameworks for them and it's a way of them then being able to package up and sell their expertise it's something I've naturally done for myself and it's something more that really connects me to service-based introverts because I'm like if I can help you shine and share your knowledge so you can have that greater impact on other people for me that is the best job in the world basically that's amazing and I love the 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 flow and the circumstance changes that you've experienced throughout your own personal life has really been quite a driving factor in the change of direction for your business which I think is just such a glorious representation of the fact that we are a blend but as soon as we make that decision to do a business generally it does become a blended part of our life and it's really interesting to see that it's almost like and please do correct me if I'm wrong but it's almost like the progression with your business almost helped you get over that grieving period of what you had lost your expat lifestyle would you say that that was fair yes I would and I I kind of did it purposely as well yeah. because I it was at a point when we came back to the UK, my eldest was just turning 11, about to start secondary school. And so anyone who, listener who's got children who are old and have been through these stages, you know you are not needed so much at home. Then you're not needing to be so hands-on. So I could see my time opening up 
and also that I could then reclaim to be me again and because I'd done this huge dip in confidence and it was like no I do have something to offer the world I can step up and get out there and actually online is where I feel confident to do that still ask me today if I had to go down to town hall and do a speech in front of people I'd be a wreck ask me to come on a podcast easy peasy I'm really happy and confident <laughs> that said even back at university I remember my lecturers saying no Susanna come and talk about whatever in front of 400 people and I still said yes because I've always had an attitude of say yes and then work it out after <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> so I was like okay and people are like wow you know you stood up and but the reason why I could say yes is whenever I was asked to speak, it was always on a topic I knew about and I knew I knew about it. So I was like, I can do that. And so this is where now I'm like, bring me on, like you invited me on Tammy and let's talk about introversion and my business journey. I'm like, I can talk about that because I've lived it. It is the everyday, so it's easy. Other things, it might be sort of scarier and putting things out there but there's something I also like the cozy connections you get working online I have such deep relationships with my clients and yes there might be tears there might be laughter because we've spoke in the last episode about that when you're working online and you can have these deep connections and this was one of the things I found at the start of pandemic and I was part of a networking group and I could really tell the difference between those introverted and extroverted. And to begin with, the extroverted people were saying, you can't have the same connections online. It's just not the same. It's not the same. It doesn't work. It can't work. Six months in, I had the same person say to me, it's amazing. My clients really love this. And we get just as much done. If not, it's more efficient. It's more productive. And I'm not wasting so much time in my day. And I was like, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> like, you have come over to my space where I've been for a long time. And it's when you're in your own space, and this is what I find when people are introverted, you're in your own home. Or maybe you're in an office space that you've rented. But nobody is overhearing you. So you are more open to share than when you're in a big office space. And I think that's why I get very deep connections with the clients and they feel comfortable. And if it is a bit too much or a bit overwhelmed, there's this joyous button that I can see right now called stop video, mute. You can take a moment. You can just step away. It's, it's not like in a room where um, I might have been known to go to the toilet when I haven't needed the toilet. <laughs> because I've been at an event or felt overwhelmed and I'm just like I'm gonna go away or I'll go and stand outside the door just because I need that space online it's far easier to create your space yeah it is it absolutely is I love the stories of people discovering online business ownership and the difference it has and I love my journey between feeling like that pressure that you always have to go and be there and be seen and do things I the first few months of my business were absolutely exhausting because I thought I had to be everywhere like physically whereas now I feel like I get so much more from it 
I feel so much more at home with it because I'm in, like you said, I'm in my natural surroundings. But I also love hearing the difference from people who are like, I never thought that this would be possible. And now it is like, I, I love that the internet opens up doors and breaks down the geogra- the geographical issues. Minus time zones, let's just say that's a whole other thing. But generally speaking, it means that you can work with anyone, anywhere. And that is just absolutely glorious. So it's almost like as an introvert, embracing an online business where perceptions may be that you're shying away from people. Actually, you're working with more people across a broader spectrum than you would be able to otherwise. Yeah, one of my first clients was like based in LA when I was in the UK or I've worked with Australians and across Europe. And I also find interesting, I still definitely draw to me as well expats around the world, but who found me online. So they're now just introverted expats, but because they go, yes, I can build my business online and I can move. And yeah, some of my longest standing sort of clients, followers are people who've moved themselves between different countries. Because one of the things I think that moving and then working online, and if I go back to actually when I was living in Switzerland, I remember having an hilarious evening with an American couple because we were going through English versus American expressions, which can just keep you entertained for hours. And particularly when you start going into things like, I think the particular one, excuse my language, but it's not really swearing, is how you use the term piss in English because it can be pissing down with rain you can tell someone to piss off you can there's 20 of them we counted that (laughs) night and but it's about when you're working online you also if you're working internationally it's good to have an awareness of what are your natural idioms the way you speak how fast do you speak because if you're dealing with people who are likely to be non-native and particularly as Brits who aren't so necessarily aware that British people can speak very, very fast. And there was various points when we lived in different countries. I might be turning to my husband and we'd be chatting away super fast to each other, not realising we were talking fast. And I'd say American friends would be going, slow down. Like, we can't understand you. And you realise it's not just non-native speakers. And when you're doing trainings or working online... It's taking that into account. Make sure people can understand because one of the tools and maybe if you're also introverted and your brain works super fast, I know my daughter does this as well, is when we watch trainings back or videos, we've been doing university open evening days on video and things. There's this lovely button called two times speed Mm -hmm. and you can watch things back in double time. And the thing is, if the presenter is enunciating nice and clearly, you can hear that and it can go through. If someone is slurring or not projecting, and for me, that's a huge difference that to be successful online, you do want to have a certain clarity in how you're speaking or presenting. 
and then it can help people engage with your content more yeah that's a really interesting point I listen to a lot on um one and a half speed even just like podcasts when I'm listening for entertainment purposes the only thing I don't is audiobooks but I feel like generally it's because I like the slower pace of the story and everything else but yeah YouTube videos and podcasts and anything like that it's I'm so impatient it's scrubbing it through to the bit that I think is interesting one and a half times speed I'm good (laughs) yeah it's amazing how many people do it so again think about it if you're offering trainings make sure you've got that setting on your video that allows people to do that because it's a choice and if you happen to be a super fast speaker and in fact I came across one guy he was Australian And boy, he is somebody I'd want to reduce the speed of because he's just like pow, 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 pow with all the knowledge. And it's like a huge knowledge dump. And you end up feeling a bit like you've had a machine gun splatter you with knowledge at the end. And you're like, oh, so there's a balance is what I'm saying here. You know, find your even ground that your audience connects with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really important part from a branding perspective that you are culturally aware of the people that you are going to be working with. My my VA is based in the States and we have endless conversations. The other day w- involved me trying to describe what Yorkshire pudding was and her trying to describe <laughs> what gravy and biscuits. Oh, gravy and biscuits and grits. <laughs> yeah, it's a breakfast food. I was just like, this is so weird. Yeah. Anyway, but it is that cultural awareness because not only is it making sure that you are being able to clearly articulate and communicate so that they understand what's happening and you understand what's happening and there's no miscommunication, but also from a branding perspective, you want to make sure that you're making it as easy as possible for them to work with you, regardless of kind of many cultural differences. Keep the quirks, like I'm not saying ditch them. But just be aware of them, I think, like you were saying, is fantastic. Yeah, you can even play on the quirks, you know, if you make it a thing, but make sure you know it's a quirk so you can explain to people who don't get it that that's a quirk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So let's talk a little bit around kind of your brand um, and how that's grown and developed. Because we've we've had, there's been so much good stuff around how your businesses have developed and grown over time to get you to where you are currently and excited to see what happens in the future. But for now, how, let's talk about some of the more fundamentals of the branding. So let's go through um, your business name. So as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have products which are the introvert way but your business is actually your business name is that correct yeah yeah my business is my name and yeah so Susanna Ray is the name of my business the introvert way is my method of all my trainings so that's why I've got my book which is the introvert way roadmap so it's bringing say the branding and then my different programs have different names as well that come under the umbrella but yes My name is my brand and mainly, and again, dipping into, you've got to listen to the other podcast episode if you haven't already, is it's about that we know we change and move and a lot of people follow me because of what I'm doing and therefore I wanted my brand to be my name because quite often they're growing with me. So they might be following in my footsteps, but in another five years time, they will have also have moved but still wanting me to guide them. 
So it's keeping my name in that aspect. So is this the first time that you have used your name as your business name or has that been something that you've consistently done since you started running your businesses? I've always had my domain. So I registered SusannaRay.com. Yeah, if you look it up, it goes 25 plus years ago. Wow. Is when I registered my <laughs> domain name. So very early on, I did realize the importance of being in ownership of your own name. I've had business names along the way. So my expat coaching business was called Jump Overseas and I had the domain jumpoverseas.com. At that point, I've let it go in the US when I ran some different businesses. Yeah, I had a name more for those. But when I came back to the UK, it was at that point that I sort of flirted with a few ideas but I realized I was going through this you know chameleon like change process that actually have your name and I was actually working with a business coach and I was like they were saying just use your name and I was like that was a great piece of advice because you you are the constant if you want to run a personal brand based business which is what I want to do I wanted me to be the focus I don't actually want to run a huge team for me my business I will outsource and have various things but I don't want employees I guess is what I'm saying there so I'll outsource and contract but not really sort of grow and then sell off as a franchise because or put it this way at this point in time I've no idea how I would pass on the knowledge inside my head to someone else to do as part of a franchise or something so I'm very much the keystone of my business so hence my name is my business perfect and with that how has your brand for let's talk about your most current business because that feels like the most relevant one for now how has your brand developed over time like both strategically because I know that you're a strategic thinker but you're also with your background in design is it something that you invested your time in or was that something that you outsourced for someone else to kind of bring to life So initially, I did the branding myself in terms of pulling some of the base colours. And in fact, the sort of aqua blue and a magenta, a sort of deeper sort of pink, brightish pink. I picked those quite early on for the colour psychology reasons, because pink is more empathetic. Red's very sort of confident, but it's very in your face for me. The pink that I've chosen is far more, it's like the introverted warmth, empathy, coaching, guidance. And then the blue is about communication and connection and building together. So the colours came quite early on. And just to stop myself going down a huge rabbit hole of, yes, I could have done more with the logo and things. I initially created a very simple, just my name, Susanna Ray in the pink and the blue got my website out there and then had the accent colors and then when was it it was August 2020 so about 18 months ago I actually decided that I'd got to a point in my business and I did enlist a professional branding logo designer who I'd connected with we got on superbly I knew she understood exactly what I was about with my business so my current logo and branding she then developed so the gold Susanna Ray and I've got rays around the um my logo so that's a play on my surname being Ray and rays 
because I always say it's rays of sunshine as well when people say how do you pronounce ray well <laughs> it might be r-e-a-y but it's like rays of sunshine and we were very much playing on that so I definitely felt at that point I wanted to outsource to someone who specialized 100% in branding for a business because I always feel it's really important to have that external lens on what you're doing because you can get stuck within yourself a bit. So like any other introvert, I know my um, limitations about getting stuck inside myself. So I reached out and yeah, had the professional brand done and we expanded the palette a bit as well with secondary colors at that point amazing and did you work through any kind of brand strategy that went through that with how you were going to promote yourself how you were going to be visible and how to really get that brand out there not so much probably with my branding designer mainly because that's what I've always done anyway and in fact she always said to me I wish everyone is as brand consistent as you are. I'd love my clients to know because I knew what to do from what I've been doing for a long time anyway. But we did go through sort of ways to play with the logo, whether it be on social posts or within PowerPoint slides, that sort of thing. We did sort of, but it was more a brainstorm together of like, oh, do you think this would look right or go in that way? But I guess naturally because... I know the importance of brand consistency. Yeah. I didn't need to be told, use it this way. Because in fact, I was naturally, like the moment I got given it, it was everywhere across the internet. And she was like, oh, just brilliant. And like each of the different pages on my website, I bring it together in a different way. And I make sure my brand is absolutely consistent through any downloads, through my training. And this is why even if you get to watch this um, and actually see what's behind me, that I believe might happen at some point rather than just being on podcast, you'll see that I have my brand colours as well with the colour of the wall behind me. I've got a flower as well, which is part of my brand colours. And it's about making it consistent because that's the biggest thing that I've spotted. And I know when I turn up at networking events, when I do keynotes online, people see the same thing behind me. That connects to when they land on my website, in my socials, and they know it's me. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Visual consistency is a brilliant way of building those connections within people's minds, particularly people who are very visually, who learn from a very visual sense. It helps them to reassure them that they're in the right place like this matches this which matches this which means that I've made the right decisions to know that this is actually the next step from where I was before and it also helps with that recognition as well because what you'll find over time is people will see that color combination and go oh that makes me think of this business so it's it's like subconsciously keeping you in the front of their mind even from that connection with the color like color psychology is just such an incredibly deep conversation (laughs) so much to it and I think that we're all familiar with kind of the base level side of things but I love that you've really embraced it and brought it through and applying your branding throughout everything when it comes to kind of the background to your brand so more of the thinking side rather than the visual side did you spend some time defining how you wanted your values to come across or did you just kind of trust that a combination of your background and the way that your business is built to reflect your personal journey that those values and everything else would just kind of naturally show themselves um we definitely had a big discussion 
around before creating the brand on what those values were but a lot of it had just naturally come together through the journey so it was for me it's about empathy it's about connection and it's about inspiration and motivation and opening up the world basically so again the reason for the circular but it's a slightly off circle that if anyone looks closely at my logo the center is circle but the rays are purposely a bit wobbly to show that we're all unique and a bit different but you can reach around the whole world as well so there was a lot of my backstory about how you sort of reach and connect and I've got a soft cream that I use as my neutral. So on my website, it's not a white ground, it's a cream ground. And again, it was to reflect my slightly sort of softer, quieter nature and approach to things. So I think a lot of it just naturally came together. So it, it wasn't at all forced. And I think that's as well that I'd spoken to a few different designers and this was a lady who we just met at a networking event and hit it off instantly so we were pretty much friends first and it was like a year down the road that I was like I'm at the spot that I now want to invest and sort of rebrand basically and I think that's something that's quite important that I would share with listeners is when you're first getting started don't get too het up about your logo and your branding because you will change, your direction will change, something will change. And this is where I do recommend use your name. And yes, do something that you feel happy with, you know, don't have it like on a scrap of a piece of paper. But quite often, I think when you're, there's a period probably around the two to three year mark that it's nice to then go, okay, I'm going to go more into my brand. And then I would say again, probably at the eight to 10 year mark as well, because you will have become more established. You'll really know who your clients are and where you want to work. And you might want to tweak. It might not be a huge change. It's like the Coca-Cola logo. It's changed over the last century, but not excessively. We still recognize it. And it's, you know, it's like you are like your business, you mature and your brand matures with you and I think anything you need to revisit and just check you're still in alignment yeah absolutely I I really agree with those timescales as well with my brand design side of things I love working with and my preference is to work with businesses who are established for 18 months plus 18 months is a minimum just because if you're investing in a full brand suite and your brand strategy and your business strategy and your marketing as well as your visual identity you need to be not only confident enough with where you are and certain of what you're offering now but where you want to head over the coming like four five six years and know where you want your business to go in a, this is my big dream in however long this is the end goal, but what are the practical steps that your business is going to look like in five, six years time so that we can brand for that. There are plenty of wonderful designers out there who do work with startups. And I would recommend that if you, like you said, Susanna, if you're at the beginning of your business journey and you do want to invest in branding, find someone who knows about startups and works with startups because your needs are very different, very different. And you'll find that your brand you'll outgrow it I would say 90% of businesses outgrow their first brand very very quickly I did it with my own branding um my logo changed within three months 
of establishing my business and no one else seems to know or realize that because no one notices it's only yourself you live and breathe it and sort of now I still have some because it was like pre-pandemic was the old branding so I've still got some old business cards that when I actually went to an in-person networking event last month I was like (laughs) oh I better find them and then realize oh this is the old branding but I was like you know what it doesn't matter the website's still the same the key colors are the same. Yes, it's not exactly as it is. But at the end of the day, things change. People understand things change. And when I was designing, I wouldn't have said, oh, yes, I'm going to be using all this branding and bringing it through into my book as well, mm-hmm. which I sort of wrote and published this year. And because I've got the design background, I designed the cover and the inside. I purposely, I printed it in full color as well because color is so important to me. I, so I look at some business books and go... That black and white, it's a bit boring. (laughs) And these days with the sort of print on demand costs, it's not actually much of an uplift to have a full color print inside a book. And for me, that was part of a strategic choice. And as a result, when people look at my roadmap in my book and go, oh, I love the color in it because it attracts, it draws the attention and connects them as well to it. And it's obviously connecting them deeper in my brand which pulls all together so when they find me online they'll go yeah I know that's the right Susanna I've yet to come across another Susanna Ray I'm lucky it's quite an unusual combination so but as I said I got my domain early doors so (laughs) yeah absolutely I love that I love that your branding is so consistent the thought that's gone behind it and yeah absolutely the development over time it will your brand will develop because your business will develop and that is perfectly normal I think that on demand is something on demand printing is something that we need to broach another day (laughs) another big old topic so my next question for you is kind of about your preferences so what would you say is your favorite part of your business oh absolutely yeah no well it's working with the clients I just love when I I think I mentioned it before it's setting the sparklers off in their minds when I'm talking to someone And I can, it's practically like I'm seeing these sort of light bulbs pop off above their head and go, wow, I could do that. Is that possible? Can, can I really do that? So it's about putting the strategies and the goals to their dreams, something they've only ever shared. Well, maybe with no one, just internally. And they go, can I really do this? Because a lot of my clients are 40 plus and so aren't the digital natives in terms of they haven't been brought up with it but it doesn't mean that they don't have the phones they don't have the devices but they've never seen the full potential so that is my favorite part is helping them see the full potential in what they can do and share with them the tools and techniques that will help them get to their goal because part of my job is about to reduce all that overwhelm So they're not thinking, well, what tool should I use? I'll just say, for you, for what you've told me, use this tool. This is the great starting tool. If you're just starting out, use this tool. If you've got a bit of money to invest, I recommend this tool. That's it. I don't tell them about the other 20 because they don't need to know. It's not needed because I'm that filter for them. So they come to me with a million and one questions and go away with a plan of action and start creating their business. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love that approach as well, because this is the problem with being in a world where everything is available and there is an answer for every iteration of question that you may have. Not only the question, but how you ask that question, you can get something come back. There's so many nuances with it. So, um, yeah, I love that approach. I think that it works really well. And it, it also helps reflect the fact that, again, our businesses are going to be different. My last question is around marketing your business which I'm really curious to know this one because having been such an established online business for such a long time, what would you say is your most effective or your favorite method of marketing your business? That would actually have to be doing podcasts like this. So you're going to love that answer. (laughs) And the reason is I feel there's something magical about podcasts because you're speaking into the ear of someone you're sharing value and it's long enough to give real value and content it's not like the split second that on the scrolling of a feed and it's nice because it opens you up to audiences you wouldn't necessarily reach before so I think when you sort of get confident about what your message is and what you need to share, being a guest speaker as well as say I do guest presentations, keynote speakers, um, as a keynote speaker, I'm quite often running summits. I ran my own summit at the start of 2019, which was, it, it was a lot at the time. And it was brilliant because I connected as say I had people that was based on women entrepreneurs all over the world pull together a lot of people but I realized speaking really helps build the confidence and the connections and when people can hear your tone your inflection your enthusiasm your passion I think that becomes my favorite so my favorite is with podcasts and then mini actually lives or just mini blogs I do like writing blogs and sharing the content as well but that's also because I know my audience loves to read so I need that it's For me, it's got to be not just about what I love to do, but also what my audience loves to consume. But I guess there's a bit of an overlap there anyway, because you could always do the podcast and then also write about the things that you're talking about or talk about the things that you're writing about. So there's that wonderful kind of overlap between the two. So you're hitting both your preferences and your audience's preferences so yeah beautiful way and it's yeah it always brings me joy when people are like podcasts I'm like cool good (laughs) yeah because it's at the end of the day podcasts are such a lovely way to reach out and find people and if you're introverted in nature I know we're recording this in terms of video as well but actually if you're not that confident or you don't want to show up podcast you can just record and it's just the sound the audio and it can be a great way to get started whether you're guesting or running your own podcast there's some lovely ways out there so I didn't say that because we're on a podcast but (laughs) I genuinely do enjoy being on a podcast and I think I think you're probably number 18 or so of podcasts that I've been on in the last year so It's something that I'm looking to do more and more. I heard a really excellent tip um, earlier today in Clubhouse from Ella, who was a guest on the podcast recently as well. And she has said to create a Spotify playlist of all of your podcast appearances, because then you've got one link that you can share where people can go and find every episode that you've guested on, if that was something that you're interested in doing. So that is brilliant. I love it. I'm really gutted that I didn't think of it. 
my goodness I've got Spotify playlists for podcasts all over the place but I never considered doing one for my specific podcast guesting performances so performances episodes so yeah there's a there's a hot tip for everyone out there and thank you to Ella or for sharing that one in Clubhouse (laughs) there you go this is why you have to guest you learn something every day we learn something new and I think that's probably my biggest tip is always have an open mind as well yeah I think that having an open mind and exploring different things and again I think this harks back a little bit to what we were saying last time as well which is try something and if it doesn't work out that's okay you can try something else yeah very much so thank you so so much for sharing all of your wonderful um story with us today it's just been incredible I found it fascinating learning about everything from moving abroad to being such an early adopter of an online business it's really been interesting to hear the perspective that that's brought through for you so thank you Susanna I really appreciate your time it's been a pleasure thank you Tammy and where can the listeners find more of you online best place is to head towards my website which is susannaray.com and on all social media my handle is at susannaray ray is r-e-a-y I know Tammy's going to post the links in the show notes And yeah, and the other place, if you want to actually interact and connect is I do operate a free Facebook community. It's closed, but it is free to join. Just a couple of questions to make sure you're not a spam bot. And that is called the Introvert Entrepreneurs Powerhouse. And that is on Facebook. And you're very welcome to come in and get lots of extra tips and tricks from fellow introvert entrepreneurs. Fantastic. And yes, all of the links will be in the show notes. So listeners, be sure to check out those links. I'll also put the link for your book in there as well. So everyone can go and have a look. And listeners, we're going to wrap it up there for today. But if you are enjoying the podcast, can I ask that you tell just one more person your favorite episode, maybe this episode. And it really does help us to grow. And it means that I can continue bringing you all of these wonderful new guests and episodes every week. And until next time, head over to our Instagram community or Clubhouse with the links in the show notes and we can continue these conversations in the brand lounge.